Well, good morning. Uh, thanks for the opportunity to be able to do this this morning. Then I not believe it, but I don't think there's many places that allow the middle school pastor to get up and uh, preach on Sunday morning. So I thank you for this opportunity. I look forward to this opportunity. And i got to tell you that um, I've really enjoyed hearing our pastoral staff preach over the last few months. It's been great to hear what's on Carol's heart and hear what's on John's heart and, and Paul and, and, uh, and Randy. And next week, I'll tell you what, next week Mike is speaking and I know what he's speaking about and you don't want to miss it. It's, it's going to be really good. So make it through this morning and then we'll get to Mike. But I, uh, I enjoy speaking. I, I enjoy being up here and, and, and talking and stuff. And, and there's something I realize that really hit me is that the person that's up here on Sunday morning has a lot of power. And, and with power sometimes comes the struggle of, well, what do I do with that? And, and for some reason, as I was writing my message the first time I knew I was going to preach was a couple months ago, and I had my outline done, you know, within, within hours of, of hearing I was going to preach. And uh, because I, I'm motivated by and, and passionate about love. But as I was, as I was getting my uh, outline complete and, and, and going through things, all of a sudden my, my outline started to, to change. Not my key points, but the way that they were coming across. And, and my message of, of love didn't seem to be very loving. So I talked to the different pastors on staff and, 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 uh, and asked them to pray with me. I talked with, with uh, Dick Swenson, who's a good, good friend of mine and, and an accountability guy and, and someone who's a lot older than I am. And, uh, and uh, we were able to talk. And, and I believe that, that the message I have today conveys love at the same time that it challenges us to take a look at some of the, the, the struggles that we have in our lives. And... and uh, so the word challenges actually came from Mike Brinkman. I said, Mike, how do I get this across? And he said, challenges is always a good word. I was uh, listening to KTIS, and I wish I, I wish I had written this down, but I heard it um, in, on my way into the office one day. And, and it said that a large number, I don't remember the percentage, but a large number of Americans are concerned with America's morality. Which I thought, well, of course we are, you know, especially Christians. We're concerned with the direction that our country is going and the people in our country. But, but what it also said, the, the more shocking part of that is that a small number of Americans are concerned with their own morality. As I write this message, as I give this message, I want you to know that this is as much of a challenge for me as it is going to be for anyone here. And uh, so, yes. We're going to move on. I just wanted you to know where I'm coming from, and, and hopefully that will give you some insight. Teresa said to me the other day, she said, Kevin, why is it that you're getting so stressed out about this sermon? She said, uh, normally you don't do that. Even when you preach on Sunday mornings, you don't do that. So God has been wrestling in my life. I think the, the devil has been wrestling in my life, and, and, and I hope this message is something from God. But for me... I'm just going to view all of you as middle schoolers, and maybe that will make it a little bit easier. 
I'm going to read you a verse and then we're going to be and then we're going to pray. It's from Ephesians five and it says, be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children and live a life of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up as a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I, uh, I thank you, creator of all things, uh, merciful, um, loving God. And uh, I come here today as, as your servant. Help me to, to share a message that is your message. Help me to uh, be used and not try to use you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. i got to tell you something before I keep going. I rarely come to first service, and I really enjoyed the worship service this morning. It was, it was great to hear the, the, uh, the song that we were singing um, about the ancient words, to hear the ancient words and let them change us. Man, that's what, that's what I want this to be about, and that's what I, I think God wants us to do. And that's why we have this holy word, is so that we can read it and be changed by it. All right. So let's get started. I'm going to read a, a, uh, something to you. And I'm not going to give you the headline just yet, the name of the article. I'll tell you it in just a moment. But this was published in, in 2004. So it says, A new study was released by the Barna Group of Ventura, California. It shows that the likelihood of married adults getting divorced is identical among born-again Christians as those who are not born again. The study also cited attitudinal data showing the most, that most Americans reject the notion that divorce is a sin. Later in the article it says, Although many Christian churches attempt to dissuade congregants from getting a divorce, the research confirmed by a finding identified by the Barna Group a decade ago and further confirmed through tracking studies conducted each year since. Born-again Christians have the same likelihood of divorce as do non-Christians. Among married born-again Christians, 35% have experienced a divorce. That figure is identical to the outcome among married adults who are not born again. Multiple divorces are also unexpectedly common among born-again Christians. Barna's figures show that nearly one-quarter of the married born-agains, 23%, get divorced two or more times. We as Christians need to do a better job at loving our families. If you'll turn with me to Ephesians 5, verses 22 through 30. I'm going to set this down here. I, uh, I did a wedding last week, and I tell you what, it's fun to do weddings. I shared that, I did that already, but it's fun. But one of the verses that you rarely see in weddings these days are these verses. And as I read these verses to you, I'm sure some of you are going to be thinking, what in the world is God talking about? Why why does God want this to be the way? All I want to remind you is that this is God's word. Let's read it at that. Okay. In verse 22, it says this. It says, wives, by the way, that's on page 1159 if if you haven't found it yet. It says, wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the Savior. 
Now, the, now, as a church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands and everything. We'll go on in just a moment. But I tell you what, if I read that verse in a number of my pastoral premarital counseling staff, the woman and the guy would say, what? What's this? We, we seem to for, forget that as, we, as women have become more power in the United States and as, as we talk about this, this gender-free America. But, but God seems to have it here. Sometimes I joke with my wife, and if she were here, she'd kill me for saying this, but she's not, so I'm going to say it. Sometimes when I, I want her to do something, run out and get the mail, will you? Please, Teresa, will you please go get the mail? Something like that. And she says, no. I say, submit to me, woman. She doesn't like that. And it rarely works because submission, <laughs> submission is something that comes from the inside of us. And submission, another great word for submission is to love. Now, on your bulletin, look at your bulletin. I forgot my bulletin. I'm going to run down here and grab that. And since I'm going to talk about love a lot, I thought it would be good to have the definition of love on the bulletin. It says, love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast. It is not proud, it is not rude, it is not self-seeking. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. My brother-in-law is a great Christian guy. He's uh, three years older than me, and throughout my time of dating his sister, he was always the big brother. And uh, the good thing is that he liked me, so we were good. But, but we talked about this verse a lot as I was getting married, and, and uh, I thought, how, how could this be? And he said, Kevin, before you get stuck on that first part, Read the next part. And it says this. It says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by washing of the water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or without any blemishes, but holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated his own body, but he feeds it and cares for it, just as Christ does the church, for we are members of his body. My brother said to me, my brother-in-law said to me, he said, Kevin, if we as husbands got the second part right, there would be no issue with our wives getting the first part right. And I need to stand up here and tell you, I don't always get the first, second part right. There are, there are times that my wife would love it if I'd be more like Christ. Just as there's times, guys, you're sitting here, that I'm sure your wives are saying, show me Christ. Show me Christ. How's your love life? Not physical love life. How's your love life? Did you fight on the way to church this morning 
as many American Christians do? Where's your love life? I know mine's struggling. One area that we need to grow is we as Christians need to do a better job at loving our families. And that starts with us as husbands and as wives loving our spouses. We need to do a better job with that. Turn with me, if you would, to Ephesians 6, 1 through 4. Now, I need to tell you something if, you're, have, if you haven't graduated high school yet. I need to tell you that this church, the leadership of this church, and, 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 and the staff and the elders, and, and we as, as the church body, think that you guys are some of the most important people in this room. And one thing that we haven't done all that well is communicating with you on Sunday mornings. I'm going to communicate with you. If you would, turn to Ephesians 6, 4, or 6, sorry, 1 through 4. It says this, Children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord. For this is the right thing to do. Honor your father and mother. This is the first of the Ten Commandments that ends with a promise. And this is the promise. If you honor your father and mother, you will live a long life full of blessing. I was a teenager once. Everyone was a teenager once. If you're not under the teenage years, that's a hard time. I work with middle school students. I would say the middle school years of our lives, those pre-teens into that first teen year, are some of the most challenging years of our adolescence. And one of the things that we we need to figure out is how do we do what that verse says? How do we honor our mother and father? I tell you what, Teresa and I do foster care. And growing up, we uh, did foster care in our homes. And there's a lot of parents who aren't worthy of honor. And sometimes we as parents are not worthy of honor. That doesn't change, guys. It doesn't change what God says. It's to honor your mother and father. To the parents, it says, and now a word to you fathers. Don't make your children angry. By the way, this is from uh, the NLT, so that the students would understand what it says. And now a word to you fathers. Don't make your children angry by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up with discipleship or with discipline and instruction improved by the Lord. We as Christians need to do a better job of loving our families. I, as a Christian, need to do a better job of loving my, my family. I need to give my mom honor that I didn't give her in my teenage years. I need to, I need to um, care for my kids in a way that is, is disciplined, but not provoking them to wrath, as one version of the Bible says. We need to do it. How, how can we, if you know my heart, my heart is, is for the lost. But how can we reach the lost if we don't have things figured out ourselves? We can't. We need to get better at it. The family is the biggest political issue that Christians have right now. Hey, you know what? The Barnes research says we're not doing a great job. We as Christians need to do a better job at loving our families. All right, let's move on to challenge number two. 
Turn with me, if you would, to Ephesians 4. Verses 1 through 6. It says, As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. I love middle school. I love working with middle school students because I get to see students who come in in the sixth grade and all they want to do is model their parents or model something. And they're starting to figure out, wait a minute, I am an individual. And they have to figure out, who am I going to be as an individual? And it's fun for me to see that process change and that process continue and they start to figure things out. And, and you know what? I, right now, coming into eighth grade, are a group of girls that I think are amazing. They, they, they are amazing. There's this, this group of girls that could change our church. They could change our church if they loved each other the way God wants them to love each other. I, uh, I went to uh, Wyzetta High School with Mike uh, a year ago, I guess. And continually at the start of every year, the high school asks area youth pastors to come in and, and just chat, which I think is a great thing. You know, I think that's awesome. And, uh, and so every year the question gets asked, well, what can we do to help? What's your biggest problem? What's the biggest problem at the school? And when I was growing up, I thought, would have thought, well, the biggest problem is, you know, drugs. Or the biggest problem is we have some guys who, who are, you know, like to cause fights. And, but I want to thought this was it. They said... The biggest problem is girls not getting along with other girls. Is, is freshman girls not getting along with other girls. I thought, are you kidding me? What in the world? And then the more I share that story, me being a guy, I guess I was just oblivious to it. But as I talk with, by the way, Christy is right over here. Christy is like my big sister on staff. And, and we talk about these kind of things all the time. And it's fun because Chris is in, in middle school ministry and Dan is on middle school ministry staff. So it's like this family kind of thing we have going. And, and Christy is a little spunky. So it's always, if, I don't know if you know that about Christy, but she's a little spunky. And, and I love going to Christy and talking. And, and I said, do you believe this, this middle school, I mean, this, this girl thing is her biggest issue? Well, of course. She says, of course it was. If you're in here and you're in middle school, eighth grade girl, what you need to know is I see tremendous potential in you. And I see, I am worried that that potential will be lost because you can't figure out how to love each other. If you're sitting in this pew, you need to know that as a congregation, 
I see tremendous, tremendous opportunity for us as a church. I, I, I think we can, with the people here, we can change the world. In Poland, in Chicago, in Wyzetta, we could change it. But we need to start loving each other more. First service starts, needs, to, needs to start loving second service. And second service needs to start loving first service. And our ABFs need to come together. And, and young and old. and We just need to love each other more. And I understand that whether he as a church are in transition and, and things are changing. And the same way that the, the girls are in transition in middle school and things are changing, things are changing here. But we will get through that transition if we learn to love each other more. Remember, if you need a definition for love, it's on your bulletin. Has your, have your actions been loved? Have your actions been out of love? We uh, met as a elder and as a elder group and a pastoral staff this last week on, and uh, it was fun. Mike August, I think, is doing a great job as chairman of the board. And uh, one of the activities that he had us go through is is little post-it stuff. So we'd We'd, he'd have a question and we'd just write our answers as fast as we can on, on a post-it and then we'd go to a different one and a different one and a different one. And one of the, the questions is, what is, the, what is one of the challenges with our congregation as we go forward? And one of, the, one of the things that was written many times was not a word, but rather a passage. And this was a passage. From Matthew 18, it says this. If your brother sins against you, go and show him his fault. Just between the two of you. If he listens to you, you have won your brother over. But if he will not listen, take one or two others along. So that every, so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen then to them... Tell the church, and if he refuses to listen even to the church, treat him as you would a pagan or a tax collector. We have issues with that. Our issue isn't, well, tell the church, because we do that. I have a friend, Brandon. I'm just going to use Brandon as an example. By the way, Brandon called me at at 8 o'clock this morning just to make sure I was up. I was sitting at Brugger's. He said, "I I don't want a mishap like last time to happen. So he was just giving me a hard time. But uh, Brandon is a great friend. And, and Dan is a great friend. I haven't asked either one of them if I could use their name. But my theory is, if you're going to critique something, use yourself as an example. If you're going to praise someone, use someone else. So I'm going to praise someone. So I'm going to use someone else. So I'm just going to use them as an example. Let's say Brandon has an issue with me. The biblical response is for Brandon to come to me and say, Kevin, I have an issue with that. That's the biblical response. The more typical response, because Brandon is friends with Dan also, and he doesn't challenge or anything, Brandon goes to Dan and says, Dan, did you see what Kevin did? You see the difference? It's, it's that, that whole Minnesota nice thing that we talk about. Minnesota nice is you're nice to everyone. There's a bad side of Minnesota nice. 
is that there's secrets between everyone. We at our church have a problem going to the person that we need to talk to. I have a problem with that. It's always easier to go to someone else and complain about another person. But that's not what God wants us to do. God shows us in Matthew 18 the biblical response to conflict. And we need to do it. We need to do it. That's one of the ways that we need to love each other as Christians. Get it? Shake your head. Are we in agreement? It'd be great if next elder meeting I could go back and say, Mike, everyone agrees. That's our new policy. We're not going to do it. We're not going to talk behind each other's back anymore. We're just going to come right to that person and confront them. That would be great. That would be changing for our congregation. And it would be a wonderful change. Next, I... uh, going to go on to challenge number three and and like i said my my heart is for the lost i remember being a a a little kid with a single mom and my mom working all the time and if it weren't for a christian extending their arm to me their love to me and, and 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 inviting me in i wouldn't be here on sunday morning you know, some of us are able to grow up in Christian homes and have that all the way up. And, and we just, well, when were you Christian? I don't know. I just kind of grew up as a Christian. And that's great. God wants us to have good Christian loving homes and where, where kids are taught about God. And, and through that, they choose to follow God. But we have a world that's not that way. My, uh, my challenge here then is we as Christians need to do a better job at loving the lost. I, I was, I was uh, challenged with this verse. Because my, my first outline, remember I told you I had an outline a long time ago, it said, we as the church need to be, do a better job of loving the world. Let me make one thing clear. Do not love the world. The Bible tells us don't love the world. The world is evil. And I'm not asking you to love the world. I'm asking you to love the people that are in that world. If you would read with me Matthew 9, verses 9 through 13. That's on pages 963 of your pew Bible. I love to hear pages flipping. That's not something you hear in middle school very often. That's great. It says this, it says, as Jesus went from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him. And Matthew got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners, quote unquote, came and ate with him and the disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with the tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have not come to call righteous, but sinners. You know, the thing is, 
we were all sick once. We were all sick. We all had the disease of sin. And and someone extended themselves, whether it was a family member or or whether it was um, someone... Sometimes it's a track. Sometimes it's, it's a close friend reaching out. Sometimes, whatever the way, someone extended their healthy self to you, a sick person. We as uh, Christians tend to, to have an idea that we can't be with sick people because we'll catch a disease. And it starts young. It start, starts with, with me as par- a parent and, and thinking, where, what situations do I want to put my girls in? So what we do is, is from the time our kids are young, we pull them away from environments that might cause them to stumble. You can go to private school, which is kind of safe, or you can go to public school. Well, let's put them in private school. And I'm not saying anything's wrong with either one. What I'm saying is that we, as Christians, have pulled ourselves out of environments where we're having contact with non-Christians. And as we do it with our kids, we're teaching our kids and we're raising up an idea that if you hang out with the sick, you're going to get infected. I'll tell you what. Jesus is the best vaccine I've ever known of. And and Jesus somehow makes it possible for me to go in. I play uh, play cards every Thursday night. And somehow I go in as a Christian into this non-Christian environment. And let me tell you, there are sick people. There are people that don't know Jesus. Let's Let's not kid around. Let's not say that that God loves everyone and everything's going to be okay. That's not the truth. The Bible tells us that's not the truth. But we as Christians have a vaccine. And we need to be willing to share that vaccine. And in order for us to share that vaccine means we need to go where the sick are. That's just the way it is. Jesus says, Jesus says it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. Each one of you carries inside of you the doctor. And each one of you can impact someone for Christ. It's not something that you can do only when you reach adulthood and then can't do it anymore when you're older. It's something that if you have Christ inside of you, you carry the vaccine. We as Christians need to do a better job at loving the lost. I know that I stood up here and gave three challenges and not many answers of, well, how do we do that? I tell you what, we have in this church great great, uh, ministries that can help you do that. If you signed up for Alpha and you went through the Alpha course... You're prepared. Go do it. Uh, marriages, what can help me make become a better husband? We have great ministry, a caring ministry area. 
We have great caring ministries. Missions. We have great mission stuff. We have things going on in this community and, and around the community. All it takes is for us to decide, what am I going to do? Where am I going to go? How is it important to me that I love my wife better? Is it important for me that, that I go to someone in a biblical way? Is it important to me, is that person outside important to me? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, uh, like I said in the beginning, this is something that I don't have down better than anyone. And I'm one Christian brother speaking to my other Christian brothers and sisters. And, and God, we know that, that you um, enable us to be the people that reflect you. And God, it's only from having you inside that allows us um, to look different. God, I pray for me and I pray for my congregation that you would help us to love our families. Help us to, to love our spouses. Help us to love our kids and in a way that uh, brings them closer to you. And God, as children, help us to give the honor to our parents that they desire and deserve. And Father, I pray that we as a church get better at loving each other. God, help us to be patient with each other and kind to each other. And God, in the times that that the struggles come, help us to approach one another in a biblical way. And God, I pray for the world. I pray for the lost souls in this world. Help us, God, to figure out what is the best way for us as individuals to love that world. Don't let us get caught up in a strategy or a way of, thing, of doing things. But God, enable us to share your love with the lost. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.